0: today. Lord God, I pray that today revelation will just be upon people's lives. Lord, that God ideas will start to set forth in individuals as the word comes forth today. Father, I pray that your spirit will dwell amongst us, will speak to us as well. Today, Father, pour out your spirit over each and every one of us as your word is opened, as we preach today, Father, as we share the message in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm loving the theme, We the Church. Who's been loving We the Church? Uh, I've been loving hearing the stories and the different things about We the Church. And I I thought, well, coming into We the Church and we come here and we found out that, well, these four walls and this place that we come is not church. Uh, If you've been listening, and some of us may have had this revelation that the church is you. The church is me. The church is the person sitting next to you. So, so why do we come to this place? What is the purpose of this place? Why do we come every Sunday to this place if we're the church, if we're the holy temple? And so I thought, well, today I would touch on that. And I want to go back to the Old Testament and have a quick look. And, and I've called this message Bethel. If you turn to Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 to 22, if we've got that there. It's a story of Jacob. And it's a time in his life where he's running for his life. It's a time where he has just stolen his brother's birthright. Back in the Old Testament, it was a custom that the oldest would inherit everything. And everyone else would basically get nothing. Is the oldest son would inherit a blessing from their father. And so somehow... Joseph had had schemed and he'd scammed and he was was a bit of a liar. And he'd coaxed his mum into helping him and he went in and he stole his brother's birthright. He stole his brother's inheritance and he went into the tent and he dressed up as his brother. And his brother was a hairy man so he he put hair and, and stuff all over him so his father who was blind wouldn't recognize him. And he stole the birthright. And what happened is he ran because his brother had decided, you know what, you've stolen what's mine, I'm going to kill you. Now, who lives in a family like that? You know, where where you could go home and maybe your brother could kill you. Uh, Sometimes those things happen. Families can be dysfunctional. Mine would probably be the first. But sometimes families are just dysfunctional. And what we find is Jacob, he's running from his brother, from his dysfunctional family. And he's running so fast that he comes to this place and he just needs to rest for the night. He just needs to lay his head. And if we pick it up in verse 12, is that he comes in and he, he lays his head in a place and he sleeps. And then he dreamed and beheld a ladder was set up on earth and its top reached to the heaven. And there were angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and the land in which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven, and then Jacob arose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put under his head, set it up as a pillow, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the place Bethel. The place Bethel. How awesome is this place? There is none other God than the. Ha- there is no other, none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he named the place Bethel, meaning house of God. House of God. How important is the house of God? I look at the life of Jesus and there are a lot of times that he was always found in the house of God. You read through the scriptures and it says, as tradition or as of custom, he would find himself on the Sabbath in the temple. And I find this amusing to me is because a lot of people say that they've got to have a Sabbath. They've got to have a day of rest. And what I find with the things around now is that somehow this Sabbath has become this selfish thing. It's like there are some people who say, oh, I just can't go to church. I've just got to have a day. I've just got to have a Sabbath. Well, if you're going to have a true Sabbath, you actually do need to find yourself in the house of God. Whoa. It's because the Sabbath is where it comes and it's a day where it is consecrated wholly. The Sabbath is really a relationship between you and God. It's a time of rest, but in that rest, you come and you rest and you commune with God. And you would find in the Scriptures it says, as Jesus accustomed himself, he would find himself in the temple on the Sabbath. Somehow man has turned this Sabbath into works. It's like, you know what, the Sabbath is, yeah, you go to the temple, but you do nothing. Well, you, you go and you can't even work on this day. You can't even do, but in turn, they've made it this law, this tradition, where it's lost its relationship with God. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes back and he says, hey, keep the Sabbath Holy. It's like, put that out, come into a place and worship me. I believe Jacob at this time had just come into this place and he'd found the rest that he was looking for. For some of us, we live in in dysfunction around our life is that when we step foot inside these four walls, it should be a place where those things just fall off. Is that the house of God should be a, a safe haven where you come and you find Rest. Jacob is here and he is running to this place. And I don't know about you, but he finds rest. He finds an anchor. If you read the scripture, it said he took the rock from under his head. When was the last time you actually slept on a rock? of hands? Maybe last night. I thought it was amusing. As I was reading and sleeping, and, and I said to Carolina last night, we got home pretty late because Alicia turned 30. And I said to Carolina, I'm just going to look over my message. And as I was sleeping, I got this revelation. And I was like, who sleeps on a rock? What's the significance of a rock? And, and, and I, I, I was getting in the car this morning, and I brought my rock. Because I tell you what, I don't know whether anyone could sleep on that. It says he, he picked up a rock and he laid down and put his head on it. It was funny, I got in the car with my rock, and my daughter, my, uh, Layla, she's fascinated with stones. Like, you will find stones under a pillow, you'll find stones in her bed. Who has kids like that? You'll find stones just everywhere. They're her pet stones. And she's like, Dad, I didn't know you had a pet stone. I didn't know you had a pet rock. I said, yeah, i got a pet rock. <laughs> I took it out of the car and she's like, "Whoa, that's a heavy one. I'm like, yeah, I sleep with it. But I was thinking, it, he slept on a rock. And then when he got up, he used that rock to mark the place, Bethel. And as I was thinking about it, a rock is something that is solid. A rock is something that doesn't move easy. And as I was pondering through the scriptures, what are those scriptures that speak about a rock, a cornerstone? Is that Christ is our cornerstone, Christ is our, our rock. Simon Peter, because of this revelation, you will, will say, you know, upon this revelation, upon, upon this rock. I will build my church. It's not easily moved, but it's a marker that says, here is the house of God. It became a marker for Jacob. It became a place where he could anchor himself and find rest. He put his head upon the rock, and what happened? Rest came. In all his dysfunction, in all the things that were happening around his world, he came to this place and he put his head upon a rock and he found rest, revelation and transformation. I believe the house of God should be that. Is that no matter what is going on in your world, you can come and be anchored to Christ. You can come and be anchored. It should be a place where rest is found, where revelation comes forth and transformation has started. He pulls up a rock. Everyone wants to be anchored at some stage to something. We all need a rock. We all need the rocks in our life that keep us anchored, that keep us on course. You watch any movie, you watch Die Hard. You watch any movie and you've got the hero and the hero gets beaten up. There's blood everywhere. You know, he's just not going to make it. There's one of two places that you'll find him. You'll either find him in the, in the pub having a beer, trying to work out what he's going to do next, or he's on his knees in church praying to God. Somehow in our life, there is this beacon that draws us to this place. It's like that moment that you cry out and you're like, God, where are you? I need you right now. Come on. Anyone ever done that? Maybe you're in the surf and you're about to get smashed by a wave and you're like, God, help me. Or you know your wife's coming home and your house is a mess and you're like, God, help me. But it's like there's this thing inside of us that draws us back to God. And I believe that the house of God should be that anchor, should be that rock, where in times of need we step in with fellow members of the church and we worship. It's a time where we find rest. We find peace for ourselves. The house of God is a place of rest. I remember as a young kid, my parents were heavily involved in church, and they ended up becoming pastors. But I remember at a really young age, is that they would serve in church morning, night. They'd be serving. They'd be on the worship team. Dad would play his trumpet. Uh, Mum would do whatever. They'd run the youth ministry. There was always people around. But you know what? Every now and then on a Sunday night, I got left at church. It, it, was, it, it was like this time where that we would come and, and I would just be left there in a cot. I'm like, great parenting skills that is. But I, it was restful. I would sleep. And, I, and they would tell me the stories. And I'm like, why would you just sleep? Well, we would just really just forget about you because you were so quiet and just sleeping. And we just packed up. And, and so they would have to drive back, pick me up. But church should be a place of rest, a place where people come and, and they find comfort, they find security. Psalm fifty five twenty two. it says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. It's a time to breathe. It's a space to check out. It's a moment to recharge and focus. No matter the case, when you step into the presence of God, you should always find rest. When you step into the presence of God, you should always find rest. The second thing is the house of God is a place of revelation. In the house of God, there should always be revelation. Revelation should always come forth. John 15 25 to 27, it says, But when the comforter, the counsellor, the helper, the advocator, the intercessor, the strengthener comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he himself will testify regarding me. As you put yourself in his presence, his spirit comes and testifies. I believe this, that every time we open up the Word of God, every time you open up Scripture, revelation should come, is that the Holy Spirit should be able to speak to you. should be able to speak to you. should be able to come and just whisper. In the moment of revelation, you find purpose. Clarity will drop into your spirit, purpose will stir, and vision will start to reveal itself to you on what God wants for you. I, I find it funny sometimes when, when we preach and Carolina and I have the same conversation. We, we preach a message and, and then someone in the cafe will come and speak to us and tell us how amazing the revelation was. Tell us how amazing that scripture was. And, and, and sometimes we have this discussion at home. We actually didn't say any of that. Who's that? But somehow... The Spirit of God has spoken to that individual and give them a revelation of what they need for that time, that moment, that season in their life. It amazes me. I love how God works. It's not necessarily what's spoken as much as what's imparted. And that's what I love about the God factor when it comes to faith, when it comes to believing, when it comes to the house of God is that we step into this place where we worship God, the heavens open up so that we can receive a word for ourselves. Revelation. Jacob, he puts his head down. He finds rest, but he also he finds the promises and the vision and the purpose that God has for his life. He wakes up and he's like, wow, this is what you've got for me. You've just promised me everything you promised Abraham, and it's mine. I thought I was second in line. I thought I wasn't supposed to get anything. So he gets his father's blessing. He finds rest, and all of a sudden, God gives him a promise and a purpose. Isn't God good? Sometimes when we're not even looking for it, he will speak to us. He will whisper to us. I call them God ideas. Anyone ever had a God idea? No one ever had a God idea? I I have lots of God ideas. And I share them to Carolina all the time, my God ideas. You know, her first response is this that's stupid. Are you even saved? Do you even believe in God? Like, what are you thinking? That's her first response. And then, probably a couple of days later, she's like, I've been thinking about it, and uh, I believe God told me it's, yeah, okay. Whoever has God ideas. You know, sometimes it's good just to keep God ideas to yourself when you're married. You know, sometimes God ideas. I believe that God speaks to us. I believe that during service, sometimes God speaks to us about our family, about raising our kids, if you have, have kids. I believe sometimes if you're a business person and you're sitting there, that God just starts to speak to you about keys on how to develop your business, strategies on, on what you should do, where you should be, who you should meet. I believe the Spirit just whispers those things that you need as an individual. He speaks corporately to us all, but also we can take away something just for us. Something just for us. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 to 30. I love it because when Jesus speaks to us, what he's saying, he's saying, hey, listen, take my yoke upon you and lean on me for i am gentle and lowly of heart and you will rest and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light how cool is that god gives you a god idea it can look crazy but when you step in to that when you step into what he has for you Comes easy. I see it time and time again. So many Christians just striving. They're just pushing the cart up the hill. They're just like, this is hard. Christian is hard. It's everything is hard. life is just hard. Have you just listened to God and the ideas that He has for your life? Have you listened to God and the call that He has? Because what I find is when you hear that voice, when that 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 word drops into your spirit and you just step across, his promiser is that his yoke is easy. But it comes down to a trust thing. In order to step into what God has for you, you have to trust him at his word. You have to trust him at his word. Our mindset. Naturally is this, is the bad behavior puts us at odds with God. Then good behavior should fix it. That's not how God works. Good behavior should fix it. It's, It's not the way God works. Our natural inclination is to do something in order to regain God's acceptance or approval. I love this. Because when God initiated his relationship with mankind, it didn't begin with a command. It began with an invitation. The question is, will you trust him? Is that most of the time when God drops things into your spirit, it's an invitation. It's not a must. It's not a command. But he's just saying, Will you step into what I have for you? You you don't have to strive. The dysfunction around your family doesn't have to be your dysfunction. Will you just step into what I have for you? And when you step into the house of God, this should be a place where you find rest, revelation. And as you're stepping through the door, transformation starts notice how I said transformation starts I I believe this God can transform someone in an instant I've seen it done I have faith that it can be done but most of the time what I find is this is that God gives the revelation and then he says work out the transformation yourself he puts it back on you the responsibility He says, well, "We'll pick up the word that I've given you. Step in. My, my yoke is easy. Step step through it. He, he gives you the keys. He, he gives you a key, and, and, and you can take that key, you can turn it in the door, open the door, and then step into the room that he has for your life. But unfortunately, what happens with a lot of Christians is we get the keys. Yeah, this is a great verse. This is good. And then the key just stays on the bookshelf. Or for some of us, we take the key and we turn the key and the door opens and it's like, whoa, I've got to step over. I've got to actually take responsibility for the first, I can't do that. Or others can do that, but I just can't do that. Transformation starts right here. But it's whether we're willing to step forth into the future that God has. Jacob, he he got up. He announced the place Bethel. He got the stone, got a few others and stacked it up and poured oil over it. He was like, you know what, I've met God right here. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to see transformation. I love what Jesus, uh, God, says to him. He says, "Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you." I believe this, as there are people in this building that have had a word from God years and years and years ago, but the word hasn't been fulfilled. And I want to tell you today that God is still with you and He's still wanting to fulfill that word on your life. But He's just waiting for you to step through, to move through into the next room, to take responsibility of what He's called you to do. And He's saying, you know, come on, I'm with you. I, I want to take you there, but you just need to step. You need to move. And I don't know how long it's been, but you're just still sitting there and you know the promise is true. You know the calling is upon your life. But, but, but I don't have the finances. But I don't have the charisma. But I don't have the knowledge. I I don't have, I I've got a family. I, I've got, a house I've got a more I've got a so you just told me you got nothing oh but I've got responsibility to my wife and yeah well then you need to step through the door that God has for you then I believe this is the doors that I step through in my life will make way for my kids to step through those doors. And those around you to step through those doors. It is my responsibility to move through as leaders, as individuals within the life of the church. If we want to see it move to another level, we need to take responsibility and walk through those doors of transition, of transformation, transformation, last thing I want as my kids to say you know what dad had a dream but he knew God called him but he never actually stepped out he, he never actually moved forward in what God had for his life he, he just stuck in this box because he had us kids and the memory that they would have is this is that dad actually never did what he really needed to do because of us Don't put lamentations on the next generation because you're not willing to take up the call that God has upon your life. Jacob, he gets up. And Jacob, his name meant deceiver, liar, heel grabber. At birth, there were twins and he was the second one out and he was always, there was a fight to get out of the womb if you read through the story. And in a moment, in that time, and this took a little while, his name changed to Israel, meaning that he has been saved by God. He has been saved by God. All this transformation started at Bethel, the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. And my prayer for this place is that as individuals come in, they find rest, they find revelation. But transformation starts. Families are restored. Relationships are made whole. Those that are sick will be healed. Those that are struggling with mindsets will just fall to the ground the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one actually thinks of changing himself. I love that quote. Don't be the person that hears something that can revolutionize your life a God voice speaking to you and not act and live a life of regret and live a life of regret Father God today I thank you that we can come into your house that as a church we can come into your house Lord God and lift up your name declare your name sing praises to you God, at the same time as these things take place and we step in, we find rest for our soul. We find the anchor, you. And as we find the anchor, Father God, I thank you that we can hear a revelation of your word, that your spirit speaks to us intimately, Lord God. It speaks to us corporately, but God, more than that, intimately for where we are at as individuals in our life. But then also, God, giving us the keys to move into our future. Just the heads bowed, eyes are closed. want to